Hello there and welcome. I'm Cleanna Nianloan, producer of the RT Radio 1, Davis Now Lectures. The Pleasures of Gaelic Literature was a series of Thomas Davis lectures first broadcast on RT Radio in 1975. The series features writers on writers in the Irish language to which they are drawn. Aulivo Sullivan was a head schoolmaster, antiquarian, scribe and shopkeeper, as well as an expert in bird and plant lore. He kept a diary between 1827 and 1835 when he lived in the town of Callan, County Kilkenny. That diary was first published in the 1930s as Keenley Aulive. An edition, edited by Thomas de Waldra, was published in 1970, and it was then published in English in 1979. Keenley Aulive shares rare insights into the life of the lower and middle classes of a small Irish town in the early 19th century, with accounts, amongst other things, of food, hurling, cricket, political protests, the fair by coach from Kilkenny to Dublin, fair days and wakes, as well as many references to bird and plant life. Here is writer Henri O'Lehorn and the diarist Aulif O'Sullivan. Our idea of the people of the Gaeltacht has been influenced so much by books such as the Blasket autobiographies on Tilonach, Peg and Fihiblina Foss, or by Seamus Agriana's Ranafast stories, that we are inclined to forget the extent of the Gaeltacht during the first half of the last century, when the estimated number of native Irish speakers was about three million, and when Irish could be heard spoken as a first language in every county. This meant, of course, that it was not confined to the small farmers or fishermen living close to the western seaboard, but could be heard from people of all trades and classes. That does not imply that it was cultivated or even used as an ordinary written medium of communication. Unfortunately, although the tradition of composing poems and songs was still vigorous, and indeed has survived in some areas down to our own day, prose writing had virtually come to an end by the beginning of the 19th century. One man stands out as a remarkable exception for that period, Auli O'Sullivan, head schoolmaster, antiquarian, collector of manuscripts, scribe, shopkeeper, and expert in bird and plant lore. O'Sullivan, as well as some less successful romantic tales and some lively sketches, such as the description of a hurling match or the building of a forge, wrote, or rather scribbled down hurriedly, a keen lay, or diary, which is a most fascinating and valuable account of his life in Callan, County Kilkenny, during a period of about eight years, from 1827 to 1835. He was born in Killarney. His father later migrated in search of a living, and set up school in various places in County Waterford before moving in the direction of Callan. Owley at first followed his father's profession and describes in the diary how a school, Bohan, was built for them in a few days. Hannes Lemaher, Shishin Donoko Sulevain, Meister Skulle, Gokro Kairak Lishemus Bultir, Vidrnakros Roy, Dogaspalawatir, Emigyanur, Simlian, Shakyaganoka Hain. Aitaranshe Gertogog Tig Skullago Ignacross Roid Sasaura Shaktiaganoka Hain. Agus Bevyogan Bahan Skullay Gudain. Or Nirefer Dedriher Lehedan Agus Fihitrigarad Numarshin. Togogan Balafoid and Ain Lo, Kurugaimadogus Kailacher and Lan Yishin, Agus Kurug Diener and Tresla. Isoma Blian Nadde Vin Yirka Kahatsahain Agus Maher and Winnes Gullis and Mahansa. Agus eg bahan balafidin ele, rodbiog nisa mo, eg crown hildar lua. Agus eg tig maskele, 
e mali chiv laiv lek nok na karige. Hak fariel dimig mahiragus dimig na bahaim skole. Nil rian a mala foid na fedin na feshkinteng yov na trachtere. Hak kama keshnev. E moig na kashlain elver na grinain greinach on chrinne chahar huil on daun geleer mar galsip. Later on, perhaps after the death of his father in 1808, Auli moved into Callan, which in those days of general poverty and misery in Ireland was distinguished by being far worse than the average town. One of Auli's early entries describes the widespread poverty and disease and says, Callan paupers, about 300 families or 1,500 people, are in dire straits. Tan gorte bui gorum tres du hanish. Kui pingen a galeher chlehin chrite patati. Agus din a bochthagan obergan tourist de lechanoch bi an a haunlen. Na bochthain gan fiu ne derke fein le feileke. Ach hier da gora wale gan a baroch di hein. Bochthain chalen tiempel tri heerd muinter no kui heerd diag dine sen engischen. And some days later. Vamre tuet min vue machen over ri laffing in ian potter. Ta sprid na ngael bristi schiske moor, troske. The starving people could hardly be blamed for want of spirit or courage. A later entry tells how a group of them, who tried to intercept a boatload of meal, paid dearly for their courage at the hands of the peelers. Three of them were shot dead and many wounded. These then were the people among whom Auli set up a head school and managed to make a living. He gives us no indication of when or how he later became a shopkeeper and corn merchant. Although at one stage his pupils numbered 130, he seems to have neglected his school as his business prospered until he finally closed it, when the numbers had been reduced to 10. A diary claims attention only insofar as the writer is an acute observer and a person of wide interests, who takes an active part in the life of the community. Auli certainly had all these qualifications. There are many other accounts of life in Ireland in the first half of the last century, but most of them are by outsiders who often came with preconceived ideas or wrote for foreign readers. The value of Auli's work is that it gives an inside view of a member of the community who found himself in the unique position of being on familiar terms with people of different classes and of different religious and political persuasions. Nor did he set out deliberately to describe these people or give an account of the movements and events of the period, just jotted down notes on his own and his neighbours' daily activities. The period in question, 1827 to 1835, was a particularly agitated one with the struggle for Catholic emancipation, the tithe war, the secret societies, evictions, famine and cholera plagues, all of which matters are frequently mentioned in the diary. Auli, the shopkeeper and merchant, gives regular accounts of markets, prices and wages. He mentions many festival customs, games, sports meetings, patterns, wakes, dances, dinner parties, etc., in addition to his daily notes on the weather, the crops, bird, animal and plant life, which were among his principal interests. He enjoyed nothing better than walking through the countryside, examining everything he could find. Some of the most delightful passages in his diary are descriptions of such outings. 
His favourite walk seems to have been to the grounds of one of the big houses, Tinehinche, Desert House, which, apart from the views of the mountains and glens, provided him with examples of a great variety of specially cultivated trees and plants. On one occasion he was accompanied by Muradin de Barra, a young lady who appears often in the diary, mainly as a singer of songs in Irish. He was obviously fond of this young lady. In the account of their walk, his style changes from his usual precise, terse manner to that of the old romantic tales which were so popular at the time. When they had arrived at their destination, having gone astray on the way, they sat down in a sheltered spot. Time corre er samaradin vin ving vio gloroch. Time shimaradiana er me fein, seem she sirkayanak na crage. Seem hanna. Le coran na nas hit neal er baradin vin. Gluisha gwiled cronan tre cranavalon time. Nabi bio gloroch na bagaroch. De heden rege kuin tre oltanani ein, en nochte mungal ko galle hallerlin. Vadre pushini ko darable kere karing, ko milish de mil. Abralach ban morgah let on schnachte, a geiris a limer humta oneri. A quimmin kail a toinin tripleach, a kushini kore fwillehele honors royal getrehetana. Shud gan meskach a lantan livling trid neer mar haid o vau. Nar ev lantan in eering diva sahamach gabrach er semehen, nar ev hanna. Tan gdien a dolkan suin, dimit a gemacht a bale. Dimiamur gatraum tre, a live hui maskel, a kauner maguiling, a suile kleenachan taloon. Ni queenlum la bivne. Oli was, of course, married at this time. But it would be foolish to expect intimate references to his wife in an Irishman's diary. In fact, he scarcely mentions her at all up to the time she became ill a few days before her death. A year later, he writes, and I translate, A year today, my dear wife, Morni Golchanta, died. I and my family should be weeping and lamenting, but a dead person is no spouse for a living person. What will my poor four orphans do if I marry again? And what will I do myself? And what will happen to them or to my business if I don't? I'm between two minds. May God direct me in the best way for myself and my poor children. Well, he didn't marry again, although he made at least one attempt, which he describes with his usual frankness. He starts off describing a long journey on horseback on a cold December morning through Kaherleishk, Borskuob, Bailarebin and Hugginstown. It was snowing heavily with the southeast wind, there were four inches of ice on the road over the Welsh mountains. He stopped at Mullinavat, where he had a glass of whisky, to keep myself alive, as he says. He has as yet given no indication of the purpose of this arduous journey. Eventually, he tells us he reached Waterford, where, again I translate, I got a hundred welcomes from Father Shimon Biranach and his people. A fine meal awaited me. Loins of fresh salted beef, white cabbage, roast goose with bread stuffing, a leg of mutton and turnips, bacon and chickens, and roasted snipe. We had port and skalteen. And he continues. Agus vi ni elaun, shishin mare frenach, ban vrehard groe jareg, groe gon roe, godoin trippelach, gamrolach hard, gagieche kroe krinne kalke. Tashi timpel koig mend diagre hedish, agus nila haigro vien, ora ta anad na bologi gehedramaun. Aptashi maul moerge kuin knas de queen. 
It was, in fact, a Thorasanashka. The match fell through. The sumptuousness and variety of the meal described may surprise us, but Oli mentions many other fine dinners, particularly in the parish priest's house, for example. A number of us drank our Patrick's pot at the parish priest's, Father Seamus Hannabury. We had fresh cod's head and shoulder, marinated ling, smoked salmon, fresh trout with fragrant cheese and green cabbage. We had white wine and port and whiskey and plenty of scalchine. Scalchine, which he frequently mentions, was a hot whiskey punch and included ingredients such as butter, sugar, pepper or caraway seeds. Oli's accounts of meals should put an end to the widespread fallacy that our ancestors knew little about cooking or good food, or that they ate fish only as a penance on Fridays, or out of poverty on the western seacoast. In case these extracts might give a wrong impression of the man, it should be stressed that he was a constant and courageous worker on behalf of the impoverished community. He was secretary to a committee which opposed the clearing of the cabin town by Lord Clifton, and travelled round the country, defending the people's right to build on the commonages. He collected the Catholic rent during O'Connell's campaign, and spoke in Irish at one of the mass meetings, attended by 100,000 people, including 20,000 horsemen. He was on good terms with the important Protestants of the area, and collected their signatures to the Protestant Declaration, seeking Catholic emancipation. He was a man of peace and political acumen, and had the courage to go against popular feeling when he thought fit. For example, he succeeded in getting the Catholics to abandon a provocative march, and two days later he mentions his efforts to prevent bloodshed. Time rogue no hook le shacht and da hurigail the rochti honel, na cord of shoe le hear the wene, na le delivy honel logus le kyol. Yaul catergig calling, na shule dish ni samo. Ligit nasasni gorug will ugla rove warora, ach bog rain le nagri have a dirty full and nagatelikiv. Vi quisgrid ni pileri, ugus lochti honel like a balin hash line, live le hernokarun. The dog tig pileri. The curug conno nail far fusclo clahina waraga, caprizon cluanamella. Shot to sachle drohover more studied na Catholic ignom. Tasul le deal hocht of custodid, agus not good at ahaser and narag nowed, shishin nasasnig agus nedil. Oli showed admirable courage in getting two policemen brought to justice for killing a man on a fair day. One of them was found guilty, the other quitted by trickery, he says. The lighter side of life is often mentioned. He took a great interest in sport of all sorts, and often refers to hurling and cricket matches, which took place on the fair green. Loyale padres poil, sire, via minor a hanenig, es mahadim riagun baire, vadana commanda glasu marchlita ga, es cogulen clehe mine, curugun baire, sir dos a gashir sedarachlehe. Christi fuim na gaman na bolen li roide, o yachter na fahe ga kaun na fahe, aiter hasis fein agus an tolav la keting agus bert hagar te fechen. Vader mana oga wishle valle agus na hoganig wishle, espastorekter a vahe, agus er hoger mean na katar laren na fahe. It would appear that hurling on Sundays was banned by the clergy. Vader garsoon a gaman live le dred na ngaurum yerele. Vader na kamain is na kromain ga gnoch, on Tanahanig and Tahar Kriach, Nokahir Skapper Loch Namana. Vadrega Macht River Marskata Kairach Livlon. Hanamara Walleg Galgair Garoidach Yoinach. 
Other regulations by the clergy included the forbidding of unmarried people to attend wake games, which were held on the fair green in summer. These regulations seem to have been ignored. In an account of one of these wakes, Oli tells us that as well as the usual wake games, the people spent the time telling stories of the Fianna and singing throughout the night. And, of course, even though they weren't married, they knew all about courting. While the fair green was what we'd now call the community centre, the taverns played an important part in the life of the town and get frequent mention from Oli. One long entry deals with an evening's entertainment, which resulted in his getting two black eyes from the local doctor, Butler, who unexpectedly arrives at the tavern to find two medical students, evidently his apprentices, enjoying themselves dancing. Oli describes the scene. Vamar Marsaga Mayra, Garskin and Bultera, Bullinar, Maskle, Batin, Down, Drainoige, Huesen Nagoid, Agasan Laveleker, Ferk and Haberlin, Tranacher, Deal and Aig, Agas Fiat in the Huel, Hom Nagoyer of Koga. The trouble started, and as Oli warms to the story, he consciously imitates the style of the Fenian tales. Lesha, Hogan Bultera, Bulla Vogue, for your soig, Agasalt Avlish, Gurstukatalave. Agus needy ween of avlish, or rugsher chosser a bulterach, agus hug shees lech fenes, a moon flach lan agus ish kebaha, vi dirtigahurer nor law. Agus chromadur a rain a stehis, a strakus, a srile, helem, or wadidi a mire, gurskurugiat. Need to ishkevi and bulterach, buller a chosser, na rishech on Ivan Tain, in a chlinaloi in a going in a lure, agus stehemacher hool, er lar nor lar slach. Agus chromadur a rain a smoogus a suhes a sheer wule hele, le dirn of dirn a dangan in a devav, in a bosavis in a suilav, len a mrogavs na lurignav, grauder go bruit a baska buan reab peder laheragus olagus knav, go ring a gathergan atre. On shin, hogan wilterak suil orum hain, nemohir ora, agus ling hum or vaktir if we own no shawk for your shog, agus wool bullada gorn, gorn kosna wimsha, gadirak sa tuilorum, gorhurin hit gormeri le propna soul. Agus hit his fain sheer or gul gatalav mar wart marv. Agus near hasik sa han bulterak bulle, ach hit cheese ne flesh dorum, agus hog bullele sa tuilelegum. Oli had a deep knowledge of plant, animal, and bird life, acquired by constant observation. He mentions upward of 150 plants and trees as he comes across them in his walks, and he shows his delight when he finds a bird he hasn't seen for some time. For me, ainin and ov darabanam shana hapin, shishin, ainin biognis aluna galoon, rua goroka, goginin dove, ocht brak gov, bologli avan, agus erabal father kyushvan, gobka raur, agus bound the slak van, temple of angil or gobka gob. He deplores some of the cruel sports of the time, for example, bull-baiting, carried on under the official auspices of Kilkenny Corporation, which was in charge of the bull-ring in the city. And he is happy to record that the sport of cock-baiting has come to an end. Hangalti and Kalachbuchle ruog ruog naibe de huile no hatter, agus hati madelish, agus in te the varieche balishe. Kurti pingin sheets the gachrocker. Dimigan nos barbara saw her ghoul the dear neacht. Nakele trochebliene. 
It mustn't be forgotten that there was about twice the present population in the country at the time, and far more than twice the present number living in rural areas, as the cities had not yet developed. We need not be surprised to hear that there were 1,000 young men and girls dancing to music on the Mon Rua, on the high ground in Paul Chapel, and early remarks, Hlichen von Rua fweine kishini lofre, is evening sailed live, more dear this brings us back again to economics. The diary is a store of information for the social and economic historian, accounts of markets, prices, cost of travel, lodgings and wages are noted again and again, and give some idea of the cost of living. For example, tuppence a pound for salmon, three halfpence a glass for whisky, one penny a quart for milk when plentiful, a penny a pint when scarce, six shillings and six pence was the fare from Kilkenny to Dublin by coach, the journey took ten hours. A day labourer was paid one and fourpence a day for a man and a shilling for a woman digging potatoes. Callan paupers were getting only three pence a day breaking stones. Owley managed to get it raised to sixpence by getting the size of the heap to be broken reduced. He himself worked as a teacher for ten shillings a month, but a stallion ass earned a pound for service. These figures should be kept in mind when we read that Owley sold £18 worth of goods on a fair day, or that he bought £200 worth of goods during one of his many trips to Dublin. He had become a prosperous merchant. There was nothing unusual about that. What is remarkable is that he continued writing his diary in Irish. We must remember that publication in Irish, apart from catechisms in barbarous spelling and a few editions of historical matter, was almost non-existent at the time and that the literature circulated either in manuscript or by word of mouth. Contemporary scholars like O'Donovan or Ono Cory saw no hope for the future of Irish as a living language, and consequently wrote in English. O'Sullivan was a man of broader vision. He realised that the language was in danger, but also that it was a vigorous medium of expression with a long, unbroken literary tradition. Apart from its value as a social and human document, the diary is an important contribution to Irish writing, at a period when creative prose writing hardly existed. His broad reading of Irish literature in manuscript obviously influenced his style, but he rejected the time-honoured, alliterative, turgid, bombastic style of the later tales and developed a simple individual style based on current speech and idiom. I'm not suggesting that this was a conscious decision. It was rather the result of a busy man jotting down notes as clearly and concisely as possible. His influence on creative literature could have been great had his work not been hidden away in manuscript until the 1930s, and even then it was presented to the public in his own erratic spelling, which discouraged all but the very dedicated reader. The selections in Normalised Spelling, published a few years ago under the title Keenley Owley, give the reader fascinating insights into life in a small town in the early 19th century as well as an opportunity to get to know a remarkable Irishman of the period. The liveliness and simplicity of the style make the diary easy reading, even for one whose knowledge of the language is far from perfect. Auli O'Sullivan could hardly have foreseen that his resolution to write Gach Lina would have resulted in giving him a permanent place in Irish social history and literature. That was writer Henri O'Lehorn and his lecture on writer Auli O'Sullivan, 
from the 1975 RT Radio Thomas Davis Lecture Series, The Pleasures of Gaelic Literature. The series editor was poet and critic John Jordan, who also edited a book of the lectures published by the Mercia Press. Go to the Davis Now Lectures website for more information on rte.ie forward slash radio one forward slash Davis Now Lectures and find further Davis Now Lectures where you get your podcasts. From me, producer Cleon and Ian Lund, thank you for listening. Thank you.